Welcome to the NCTM podcast. My name is Steve McCormack. I'm the communications director of the NCTM. And today we're in the northwest of England to talk to a couple of primary school teachers who are working on projects with the North Northwest Maths Hub in the broad area of teaching for mastery. And uh, just before we go any further, if you like this podcast and you'd like to give us a review on iTunes, please do that. Our particular focus today is in the area of lesson observation. But that phrase only really scratches the surface of what we'll be talking about, which is the process by which a teacher has his or her lesson watched by a group of other teachers and then discuss the lesson with them, which then leads to a bit of lesson refinement and the lesson gets taught again. But instead of me trying to explain all that, let's talk to the teachers themselves. First, Jonathan Leeming, who teaches at Moorside Primary School in Lancashire, in Lancaster, sorry, which is in Lancashire, but it's in Lancaster. And he's also a mastery specialist, which means he's gone through a year-long professional development program run by the NTTM with his local maths hub um, working together. And earlier this term, as part of that program, he went on the outward leg of a teacher exchange to Shanghai. And in Shanghai, he taught a lesson which was observed by a group of teachers who gave him feedback, which led him to refine that lesson and teach it again. And uh, he's written about that in the NCTM magazine, which I'll tell you about at the end of this podcast. But let's talk to Jonathan. How did it come about, Jonathan, that you um, put yourself in the firing line to teach a lesson which was then observed by quite a, a biggish group of other teachers? Well, when we got to Shanghai, we were asked um, if we would teach a lesson. And I uh, volunteered my services for that. Um, I was quite keen to... Um, experience what it would actually be like to teach a lesson in Shanghai uh, and it was an invaluable experience. So you were teaching Chinese children first yes. of all, so how were you communicating with them? Um, I had a translator but um, the children's level of English actually was very very good. So How I old spoke, were they? Uh, they were year, they were, they were grade four, no grade three so it was year four. Equivalent to uh, year four. Yeah. Yeah, so that's um, eight and nine-year-olds. So despite the fact, you, you basically got the impression that they were understanding what you were saying. Yeah, I spoke very slowly and deliberately and very little translation needed to happen. Oh, so, so, yeah. so give us a flavour of what, what the lesson was. So I thought when we were asked to do the lesson, I thought what would be something interesting for the kids? It's obviously going to be a standalone lesson, so... I thought I will get them to look at English money. So I scrabbled around, asked all of the teachers if they had any coinage and, and turned up to the lesson with my, my pockets full of ones, twos and five Ps and with uh, Werther's original sweets uh, that I'd taken to give as treats. So um, the, the focus of the lesson was they were given one P, two P and five P how could they use the coins to buy a five penny sweet? Um, and after they had looked at that, how many different ways altogether could they find to pay for the five penny sweet? And my focus of the lesson really was that they would work in a systematic way through. Mm -hmm. um, so that obviously they would find all of the different ways. And they do that systematically, yes. not just random. Yes. 
And then did you move on to other other suites of yes, different values? Yeah, then I found uh, a Chinese suite uh, and we were then, how, how many different ways could we pay for this suite that actually costs 6p now? And then obviously predicting, well, can we see a pattern here? How many for 7p? And so on and so forth. And, and did the children have physical English coins on their um, tables? In the first lesson, I had scrabbled around and they had one 1p, one 2p and one 5p. Um, per, so per small per, group? Per pair. Per pair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that was something that was picked up after the lesson that actually it would have been helpful if they'd have had several of these coins to help them to actually make and see the money. Obviously, in England, we'd, we'd have the plastic coins for children, yeah. um, but I haven't. So, for example, when they were imagining a one, two P piece and three ones, yes. they couldn't physically see that they, in front of them. They couldn't actually make that in that particular lesson. Okay. Um, when I came back to teach the lesson again the following week, I actually, with, with some English colleagues, we, we cut coins out so they actually did have those physical resources and were able to do exactly what you've just mentioned. So after the lesson, before the, the discussion happened with all the teachers that have yeah. been observing, how did you feel it went generally? Um, actually the translator gave me a high five <laughs> at the end of the lesson. It was kind of clear that there was a lot of uh, positive feedback from the teachers, lots of enthusiasm. Obviously there's an English person teaching this lesson, all of well, many Chinese teachers were packed in wanting to see the lesson. Um, and my initial reaction was uh, kind of, please, euphoric, really. It'd it, it gone okay, um, but very clear that quite a significant group of the children had not worked systematically and seemed not to really understand what systematic was. They hadn't there was no process in the way that they'd worked through finding all of the different ways. Okay, um, so you had an inkling of what the, the colleagues might 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 be saying yes. once you get now. So you yeah. went into a different room, sat around a yeah. table. Yeah. How many others were there? So there were, it, from my recollection, probably about eight Chinese teachers from the maths department, and there was myself and an English colleague there. Okay, and yeah. how did the the feedback session go? How was uh, it firstly organised? What yeah. was the process? Um, well, the the head of maths was there, and she was kind of chairing the meeting. And in that, all she was doing was deciding who the, the order that people spoke in. So I was asked to speak first and give my initial reactions to the lesson, which were very similar to what I've just shared. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was happy with pupil involvement and engagement, but just a little bit concerned that um, maybe a significant group, maybe 50% of the kids had not worked systematically. And I was, and, and then I then offered that out to the group. I'm interested to know how I could have done that differently and your opinions. And then my colleague spoke next, my English colleague, and said, it, it, it was okay, but it didn't quite work. And we're not, I'm not entirely sure what didn't work. Mm -hmm. um, and it was at that, the, the, the very next uh, person who spoke was a Chinese teacher. I would say with about five or six years of experience, very, very good uh, teacher. And we'd, we'd heard her speak previously in TRGs, very mm -hmm. insightful. Yeah, TRGs, uh, by the way, these are the teacher research group meetings which take place in the similar yeah, way that you're describing. Yeah. Yeah. She always gave very insightful feedback and she just seemed to put her finger 
on what had gone wrong in the lesson. And both myself and my colleague looked at each other, we smiled at each other and we were like, wow, that is exactly... And, and the key really was that I hadn't explored what being systematic was. I'd, I'd spoken about it in terms of language of in an ordered way. I wanted them, because systematic is quite a difficult word, I think, particularly if, you, if English is your second language, so in an ordered way. And she said, if you want to show order, you also need to show disorder. And, and you need to really explore what is the order, you need to model it. And I did show a few examples of children's work under a visualiser, but she said you needed to go into much more depth and much more detail there and exploration. And then another uh, Chinese teacher spoke and said you needed to get the children to go back to the previous work and get them to do it again, but in a systematic way. And all of this advice was, was you know, really, really helpful. Um, and it didn't feel judgmental because it was very, very focused on the, the content of the lesson. It wasn't about me. It was about more really about the design of the lesson and, and a, a very collaborative mm. uh, feel to it. And as a result of that, you refined the lesson, did you, and gave it again yeah, in a, to a yeah. same class or so, different class? So the following week, we were in a different school, and again, we were asked if we would teach a lesson. And I thought this would be a perfect opportunity to teach the lesson again in light of the, the feedback that was given. So in this particular school, there were uh, seven other English teachers, English colleagues from England. And we actually sat around and discussed how the lesson would go. We spent a lot of time talking about it, and they, they were extremely helpful. And, um, and then I, I delivered the lesson again. Um, and in this particular lesson, I think the key area that, that was different was the exploration of what is what does order look like, what does disorder. And I showed a picture of a bedroom floor um, one that was completely messy, uh, and mm -hmm. I told the children that's pretty much like my bedroom floor, and one that was, was very, very tidy. So they kind of got a picture of what is order, what is disorder, and now we can apply this to mathematics. And in, in, in a very careful way, I modelled how I worked through a particular systematic approach. Now, there were a few different approaches that you could have taken, but I, I chose one and, and showed, and, and actually showed a couple of approaches where they hadn't been quite so systematic and we unpicked this a lot more and the results were were tangible as you walked around I mean the 46 children in that class you could see that the, a massive difference compared to the previous lesson um, and also what was very helpful uh, my English colleagues helped me cutting out all of these coins so there was a group there working like you mentioned previously putting five one p's out and two two p's and a one p so that was very helpful as well okay so this was obviously a, a powerful piece of professional learning which you experienced yeah, yeah. i mean just just amplify that really is this something you've that you've been teaching nearly 20 years yep, as a primary school yep. teacher mm -hmm. uh, how many times have you had that sort of experience here um never <laughs> yes that's fair um, enough yeah never um we in, in my career, I have been observed many, many times, probably, um, 
around three times a year over 20 years um, and it's it's exclusively or almost exclusively been senior leaders who've come in often on their own sometimes I've had two or three uh, senior leaders with members of the uh, you know local authority in not necessarily math specialists exactly yeah um, and then uh, feedback is given you, you're often offered to give what you think that how you yeah. think, feel the lesson has gone so and what then, was so powerful to, about the experience you had in Shanghai? Uh, well, you, I, what I was going to say then is yes. you're often told, well, that's good, but you should have done X, Y, and Z. Mm. Not always. Sometimes you're invited. The thing about the, the experience in Shanghai is that it seemed to be very, very focused on the mathematics uh, and on the content of the mathematics, not necessarily on a pedagogical approach to mathematics. So, for example, they didn't say your plenary session was very good there. It was very much focused on the content. Um, and the fact that there are there are so many of you together, and the fact that you're all going to go through this, we'd, that those teachers that were giving feedback, we had observed. So it's not like one person is in a, a, a hierarchical position necessarily. You, you're working collectively and you have the opportunity to share together it feels more collaborative uh, and, and possibly at times more supportive um, although you know being observed here as well can be a supportive endeavor mm. from senior leaders as well okay well that's Shanghai and we're in England of course and the whole the whole purpose of the teaching for mastery program the NCTM math subs is try to improve maths teaching and maths learning in England, of course. So let's bring in uh, Helen Maidley, who's also with us, another primary teacher in the Lancaster area, who, like uh, Jonathan, has gone uh, through the process of being developed as a mastery specialist. You've been to Shanghai, haven't I you, have, Helen, yes. and come back. Um, but you're a year ahead of Jonathan. So for the past year, as a mastery specialist here operating uh, within the North Northwest Maths Hub, You've been running teacher research groups. We heard that phrase a moment ago, small groups of schools. And, and this is going to be my question, to a degree, correct me if I'm wrong, trying to replicate some yeah. of what we've just heard. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think to a degree is, is, is true because um, we, 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 we teach a lot of lessons and there are other teachers in the room who will observe and then you do part of your T TRG is to discuss the lesson afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and during that lesson that you're teaching, with knowing the teachers are watching, you're trying to model things. And I think that's a shift of emphasis, perhaps from what you were doing, Jonathan, where you were teaching those children in order mm. to teach those children, weren't yeah. you? Yeah. And it was about your practice. Yeah. Whereas with an our, our TRGs here, what we're trying to do is model what teaching for mastery looks like. Okay. And I think it gives it slightly different yes. emphasis. Yeah. Let's and just pause, yeah. what, let's, let's unpick, what is, what is a TRG in the, in, in the context of okay. your work as a mastery specialist? So what I might the... do is meet with a group of schools for sort of three hours over a morning, and part of that three hours will be teaching a lesson. How many schools roughly but, in this um, group? Between six and nine schools. Uh -huh. um, so you'd have a, a pre-lesson, um, talk so you'd run through the key points for your lesson what you were trying to do what With difficult one or two teachers from all of these Sorry. half dozen or so schools 
sorry, two teachers from each of those schools. Okay. The same two teachers who you'll meet on six occasions over the year. So mm -hmm. you've got those relationships with them anyway. Um, and then you teach a lesson, they would be observing, and then you'd have a post-lesson discussion as well, and you'd start to unpick. But I think what we try and unpick is what they have observed about teaching for mastery that we try to model in our lesson. And I think you can, me, when I teach like that, I can take something away from it, and yes, it will improve my practice, but actually not as profoundly as Jonathan's experience, because Jonathan was able to reteach that lesson again. And I think unless you're in a two-form school or a three-form school, those opportunities aren't really explored perhaps as much as they can be. So in your teacher research group, which consists of a couple of teachers from six or seven six or, or eight seven, schools, yes. you meet as a group uh, how many times during the course of the, of okay. the school year? Yeah, so we're matched up with six or seven schools and we meet them on six occasions for a three-hour TRG. Mm -hmm. And then there are three additional meetings throughout the year where we go and visit them in their own schools. And on the back of that, we might then go and... Uh, plan together or teach together or, or help with twilights and insects so that the we, we because we know we're meeting them six times uh, teaching and being observed teaching plays a big part of that but throughout the year the relationship shifts and we do less teaching they do more teaching uh, they're bringing more to the TRGs the teachers who are observing um, and they're taking more ownership because of that collaborative element of our working together they're taking more ownership of of the process. And, and are you trying to create the same sort of atmosphere within the group that Jonathan just described, namely colleagues but working it, together? It is very much colleagues working together and it's about the content of the lesson um, and it's about unpicking it and, and using it in our own practice. Um, and what, what would you like to add to that, Jonathan? It is, the content's yeah, key, isn't it? it? Is, yeah. And I think you, you've um, done some of this as well in, yeah, yeah. back in England now, yeah, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I have. Um, in in our first year, we we pilot, do pilot TRG. So I've done two of these, um, and I think um, what what is a different approach about this this model of CPD is it, it's not necessarily go somewhere on a course. In the past, we've tended CPD has been. You go and attend a course outside of your school, you're told what to do, and then you go back to your school and you're expected to do it. This is more um, kind of, so that's a kind of transmission approach. This is more transformative. It's, it's, it's coming together and unpicking and not necessarily being told, do it like this, but how does this work in, a con in your context? What we've it's done very as well is, is lessons that I might have taught they, the teachers who are observing would then go away and, mm. and teach the lesson themselves, if possible, because one of the barriers to change has always been, well, your children and your lesson are different from my yeah. children, or your yeah. school is different from your, my school. Yeah. Um, but but the, the joint planning element, I think, yeah. is something that comes later in the year when you're working with these schools, because I think that's equally mm. powerful. And then to get all the stages in, which was the joint planning the teaching, the being observed teaching, the unpicking of it, and then having the opportunity to teach it again is the, the full cycle. Mm. And I think it's different in different schools, but I think that can be difficult to find time for, to prioritise for. 
um, and, find, and, mm. and explain the merits of doing that. Yeah, we, we mustn't pretend that the, the time exists for teachers here to do what yeah. you no, described there is a you, difference. you did in Shanghai yeah. Yeah. Uh, because most primary teachers teach all the subjects and they teach most lessons yes, of the day. Yeah. They're not... It's, not, they haven't been trained to, as specific mm, maths mm. teaching specialists, yeah. which they are. So there are lots of differences. Yeah. But over the course of the year, you, yes. Helen, you led this group of seven or eight schools, two from each school, for the entirety of last school year. Yeah. What what um, transformation did you see in the teachers who who uh, came up from, from September, October, at the beginning of the school year? How had they changed, developed? Uh, how did you think they had? And did they themselves think they'd been through a process which was worthwhile? I, I think the feedback was very positive and, and, and talking, because you have a relationship with the teachers by the end of the year. So you can have conversations with them. You've been in their own schools, you've been in their classrooms. There's a, a big element of trust and respect there, mutual respect, professional respect. Um, and for most of the teachers who perhaps would have felt uncomfortable being observed um, because of their past experiences of it where it was perhaps seen as a judgment or you were looking at somebody's ability to teach rather than the content of what they're teaching. Uh, the majority of the teachers that I worked with over that year were then having people in their own classrooms on a more regular basis, um, whether it be teaching assistants, uh, colleagues, um, SLT, and, and seeing lesson observation as a tool for, for modelling and therefore encouraging change, I think. Yeah. Can I just mention, I actually had the opportunity to be part of Helen's pilot TRG mm -hmm. two years ago, so when she was in, in her first Still year. Trained. <laughs> yeah, and, and it was fabulous, and, and I actually on our way here we were talking in the car about a lesson that I observed Helen teach, and then about place value, and I still remember the approach, and then went back to my year twos and used some of those approaches. So it, 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 it's very powerful to see the teaching actually happening and then have the opportunity to discuss it afterwards. I have worked with a school recently where <laughs> we, um, we we planned a lesson together, myself and two um, colleagues from a different school, and uh, one of those teachers then taught the lesson with the other teacher observing and the we unpicked it afterwards, we discussed it, the lesson, not the teaching, mm. and then um, that lesson was taught by the second teacher the following day. On the back of changes and comments mm. and feedback that we had given. Mm. What I now need to do is go back to them and talk to them about that yeah. second time, yeah. how it felt. Yeah. As overall, both a question to both of you really, the experience you've gone through in the last two or three years, has it ch ch changed the way you view the sort of the broad area of lesson observation from what you, how you viewed it before you were exposed to this and started joining in this programme generally? I think for me, utterly, personally, I'm less nervous than I used to be because that lack of a judgment, I think, and, and the more people put themselves in that position, the more equality and power parity there is about mm. it all. Um, and, and it, you know, I guess there's an element of respect as well. Yeah. As teachers, you, you really appreciate another teacher putting themselves out there and, mm. and teaching in front of you. Mm. Um, and I, I think I take, I take, I do genuinely take quite a lot of pleasure from it. Yeah. Um, because teaching can be quite isolating, can't it? You can plan on your own, you can teach on your own, and then you assess on your own. And, and it's, it's rare, lesser rare than, more mm. rare than it should be. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 I completely agree. Um, it, 
I think we need to do this much more um, in school. And you you just you learn from the discussions that you have with colleagues. And it, I think one lesson on its own is not going to tell you everything anyway about the quality of teaching and learning that's going on in a classroom. And actually being able to just throw things up and say, come and have a look at this. We'll see together how it works. There shouldn't be... It shouldn't be threatening. It should be um, something supportive and something that I'm going to take away with me rather than, you know, I'm here to judge the way you teach this this particular lesson. So The discussions <laughs> afterwards are useful as well. I think sometimes when you're sitting there on your own and you're planning a lesson, you have a starting point in your mind and it can lead you on a certain journey through that lesson. And actually it can often perhaps lead you the wrong way or a very limited way. And just discussing it with somebody mm. afterwards, you think, gosh, if I'd started from that premise, mm. my whole lesson would have been different. Yeah, yeah. Um, because we do, we, we have our default positions, don't we? And we, we have do. our favourite ways yeah, of teaching. Yeah. And unless we are articulating that and, and listening yeah. to what people say yeah. about the, our lessons, yeah. then uh, we perpetuate mm. it. So you're, you're both, you're, you're part of a programme which is funded and, and a lot of what you've just been describing has taken place because uh, DfE money has flowed through the NCTM, flowed to Maths Hubs to enable teachers to be released to do things like this. So here's a question I haven't prepared you for and it's probably the, the hardest question. Uh, is there anything you've learnt generically uh, that you've picked up which can sort of live on in your practice or your colleague's practice or your school's practice? which can live on in just the day-to-day, week-to-week running of a school without particular funding for this, that or the other, which can somehow enhance the maths-specific professional development experience of, of teachers. Yeah, I, I think one thing is the value of observing colleagues and, and that dialogue with each other, as Helen's just alluded to, we, we've had a culture very much of kind of feeling threatened if somebody comes into your classroom. I think part of that has been perpetuated by the fact that, that classroom observation has always been kind of, or has over the last maybe 20 years been associated with um, appraisal, judgment, senior leaders coming in and checking up. Um, and I think we need a, a massive culture change there that if, if through this experience, through this money coming through, if we can change the culture of lesson observation to be more uh, collaborative between, um, between teachers rather than senior leaders who actually don't often teach very much, then we are going to see a, a massive difference and more of a, can I come and pop into your class and see this happen? Because I'm, I wonder how I would do that myself rather than I'm coming in to make a judgment on your teaching. So I think that that, that potentially can, can go a long way. Um, Helen? Yeah, I think my comment would be for those schools that are, um, where it's a two-form entry or three-form entry school, uh, or even smaller schools where you've got teachers that have PPA together. And, and I think historically, most schools, you'll be sitting there and you'll be planning your week's maths lessons or your week's English lessons. And I'd ask that on occasion, they just sit there together and plan just one maths lesson. 
and spend time planning it. And if at all possible, go and see each other, teach it. And I think there's no extra cost there for the school. There's no extra burden. They're meeting anyway. But just to sort of, instead of that bigger picture for the week, just really focus on one lesson and, and see how it feels. So, so for the rest of this school year, Jonathan, you're going to be, you've got a group of schools yes, which yeah. you're leading, TRG, seven schools, yeah. seven schools mm -hmm. a couple of teachers from each, yeah? Yes. Yeah. So we're talking at the end of November, how far are you into yeah. that? Um, actually, uh, a week on Tuesday, I will be doing, going through this exact same process with those schools. Um, for the first time? For the first, for the first time actually doing the lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you've got, you've got, you're in your second year, so you Yeah, I'm working with nine schools this year, so I've had two TRGs with them so far. The first one was um, a lesson I taught, I borrowed a class in a different school, uh, and, and we talked about a lot of the pedagogy behind it all, and then the second one we talked more about mathematical mansets, I didn't do a lesson in that one, um, and I've visited half my school so far, so very exciting. But, um, good. yeah. Good. Well, anything else burning that you feel you would like to say before we wind up? And I'd say thanks very much to both of you. Yeah, just that it's, it's been a fabulous opportunity to take part in this. You know, I think being in the profession for 20 years, I've been through, as I reflected last night before, before uh, coming here, the amount of different approaches to CPD that I've actually been through. Uh, I've done a master's degree in, in, in things which is a slightly different approach as well. Um, this, has, this has just been a really, really powerful way of uh, learning more about teaching, which is great. Mm. Agree, Helen? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think for me, the lessons that I've observed in Shanghai and stuff, and excellent lessons, and excellent lessons here, um, but in Shanghai they would always ask you, for feedback and they wouldn't want mm. you to say it was an excellent lesson mm. because they don't see any lesson as being an excellent yeah. lesson. There's always improvements to be made. Mm. And, that, uh, that picks up on the, the word mastery, doesn't it? It you does, absolutely. One never gets to mastery but can, can con content, constantly go on a journey of mm. mastering. Mm. Pupil and teacher. In the yeah. Pupil and teacher, yeah. 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 So thanks very much to both of you uh, for being frank and telling us all about your experiences. Jonathan, as I said, wrote about his experience in the recent issue of the NCTM Primary Magazine, which you can find on the NCTM website. And in fact, everything about the NCTM's work and the Maths Hub's work in the area of teaching for mastery and other maths education areas, of course, you can find on the NCTM website, which also links to the Maths Hub's website, which we also run. So thank you both very much. And Helen, uh, as well as being a primary teacher, is assistant maths hub lead at the North Northwest Maths Hub, which I mentioned earlier, which covers very broadly the north of Lancashire and Cumbria. And you can find out what they're up to at uh, www.northnorthwestmathshub.org.uk. And you can find them also via the main Maths Hub website, which is mathshubs.org.uk. So thanks very much to listen, for listening to this podcast. If you like what you've heard today, you can download and subscribe to all our podcasts via the NCTM website. Subscribe, that sounds like spending money. No, it's all free. Sus subscribing to a podcast is just a way of sort of ensuring that your device downloads every new one that comes along and then you can listen to it wherever and whenever you like. And if you like it, leave us a review on iTunes. That would be great as well. So thanks very much again, and uh, until the next NCTM podcast, goodbye.